welcome you to John Wesley United Methodist Church in Houston, Texas podcast. I'm Marty Dunbar, one of the pastors. We exist as a church to connect people to Jesus Christ. And so we continue with our Together We Run series as our foundation for our partnership campaign as we look at our estimate of giving for 2019. We began talking about the principle of partnership in week one. Week two was the principle of giving how we are called to give and thus we will receive. And this week, Pastor Todd Cooper presents to us the principle of reward and how God has given us blessings in our life, especially monetary blessings. And ultimately, we are called to then use those to invest in the kingdom of God. And in doing so, we are rewarded. I pray that uh, you are doing well and you will be blessed by this message. I'll take a little survey before we get too far into our sermon. If I could tell you why each one of you was created, what the purpose for God, that what purpose God has for your life, why he created you out of nothing into something, and you knew that today, you, you, you knew leaving here, you knew that purpose of why God made you. I wonder how many of you would accept God's purpose in your life and strive to live into it. Let's take just a show of hands. Well, okay, maybe half. You other people scared for you when you stand for Jesus, but neither here nor there. Before we get too far, let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you for the way that your Spirit's already moving among us. And Father, we just pray that your Spirit will continue to guide us as we work through your Holy Word. Father, we just ask that you, you speak to us at the place that you find us in this very moment and lead us on into the future. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So have you ever wondered about the mysteries of life? I mean, what is our purpose? Why have we really been put here? At this place, at this time, surrounded by these people. I mean, take a look around. Why does God have you right here at this place at John Wesley 5830 Bermuda Dunes Drive? Why? Out of all the churches in America, all the churches within 10 miles of here, why are you here with these people? Surely there is a bigger reason for our existence than consuming oxygen and, and eating contaminated food and paying an astronomical amount of taxes thanks to Harris County and, and then and dying from some sort of preventable disease. I mean, really, what does God want from us? I'm sure we can all agree that God wants us to be good parents, right? Good grandparents, and, and certainly, as Marty pointed out, God wants us to be good neighbors. Can we all be in agreement on that? Yeah, right? But is that all there is to life? To take a box of cookies to your neighbors on July 4th? Is that what God has called us to do? If I'm being honest with you this morning, I can't imagine. 
I can't imagine that's our purpose in life. I can't imagine that is why God created humanity. I think God's plan for our lives is is so much bigger than any one of us could ever dream. And no matter what your age may be today, God has so much in store for you. I would say that God wants you. God, 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 God wants you. And not only does God want you, here, here's a big church secret. You ready? It's a secret, right? We can't share this outside the church. It's a secret, deep secret that only pastors really know. But I'm going to share it with you. This is the inside. God needs you. Did you hear me? God needs you. Now, I know there's some of you that are here today and you're sitting here thinking, man, uh, I know enough about God to know that God doesn't need me. I mean, God is all powerful, right? And God can do anything that God wants to do all by himself. He doesn't need little old me to do anything. I would say you're wrong. And you're wrong because if you know the story of Jesus, you know Jesus did not have a go-at-it-alone plan in mind. Not at all. Jesus used people just like you and I for the purpose of growing his kingdom. So how do we do that? How's that done? I believe every blessing that you and I have, every blessing that you have comes from God. Can we agree on that? Every blessing you have comes from God and we are called to use these blessings for one purpose and one purpose only. Can you guess what it is? To build God's kingdom. That's why you have those blessings. Someone once said, we are God's plan A and there is no plan B. Can you just think about that for a moment? You are God's plan A to grow his kingdom. And there's not another plan. It's why you were created. About 17 years ago, Kelly and I bought our first home and we were both serving in different capacities of our church. Kelly was playing in the praise band. She's playing keyboards, shocker on that for those of you that know her. Uh, I was leading our men's ministry and teaching a, um, a, a small group in a, in a Sunday school class. And we just purchased our new home and we, we felt that God called us to use this new home for kingdom building. So we put together a group of friends and we started hosting them one night every week to talk about Jesus and, and of course, church and, and our purpose in life. And, and Kelly and I talked about it this week and neither one of us really even knew it then. We didn't even realize it, but at that moment, we were living out God's purpose for our lives. That is to grow his kingdom with every blessing he has given us. That blessing was the new home. 
Out of that small group, myself and another friend, Scott, who had the same understanding about God's blessings in our life, decided to start a men's accountability group. But this time, Scott said, wait a minute, I want to use my home to build God's kingdom too. So let's have this group meet in, in my home every Thursday night. And, and we had eight guys that showed up to this group for almost three years. Can I tell you this morning that lives were transformed in those living rooms? But do you see what was going on, what was happening? Because Kelly and I made the decision long ago to ensure that the gifts we had been given were used for the glory of God. Lives were changed. Our life was changed. Our whole trajectory on life was changed. God moved us in a completely different direction. The great mystery of life, friends, is really no mystery at all. God put us here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to build his kingdom. When Jesus came into the world, you understand Jesus brought with him the kingdom of God. Now understand that kingdom of God has not yet been completed. That kingdom of God will be completed when Jesus returns for his church. He has not done that yet. So you know what that means? Right now, right here in this very space, you are living in the kingdom of God. Do you see it? You are living in the kingdom of God. And whatever blessings God has given you this morning, God gave you those blessings so you can use it to build his kingdom. So the question that you have to wrestle with this morning, are you using those blessings for the purpose of, or the reason why you were given those blessings to build God's kingdom? Are you using those blessings to build your own kingdom? The disciples, they really struggled with this whole idea of the kingdom of God. They're just like, they, they didn't get it. A lot of times they didn't get it, but they really couldn't understand what this kingdom of God meant. They, they thought that the kingdom of God meant that Jesus would, would go into Jerusalem, and when he'd go into Jerusalem, he's going to topple Rome. When he gets there, he's going to rule from, from Jerusalem, and, and, and all that's about to happen. And that was their picture of what the kingdom of God meant. But Jesus, he always, he always knew their heart. He knew what they were thinking. And, and Jesus never failed to use any opportunity to teach them. The Bible tells us that Jesus and the disciples, they were on their way to Jerusalem. And this would be their last trip, by the way, to Jerusalem. And the disciples were expecting again when they got there that the kingdom of God would just manifest itself as soon as they crossed the city limits. But Jesus takes this opportunity as they're walking, uh, not only to, to teach them that the kingdom of God is, it's already here, it's, it's in front of you. Jesus also takes this opportunity to teach them about their roles in the kingdom of God. To teach them about their role in the kingdom of God. So please follow along with me. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to take them out and turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, it's where we're going to kind of camp out this morning. I want to kind of set the scene for you so you know what they're, what they're going through, what's going on uh, sort of under the, the passage of Scripture. 
Jesus and his disciples had just passed through the town of Jericho. They're on their way to Jerusalem. Now, it hasn't been that too far in the past where uh, I was in Jericho. Marty and I were in Jericho. We took a group of people to, to Israel and We've been there, so I understand what they were going through. From Jericho to Jerusalem is only about 15 miles difference. But the terrain in Israel there is, for lack of a better term, it's pretty mountainous. It's very up and down, for going up these plateaus and back down other plateaus. So although the distance is only about 15 miles, there's also about a 3,400-foot elevation change between Jericho and Jerusalem. So I'm sure this trip took them, they're walking now, so I'm sure this trip took them every bit of eight hours if they walk nonstop. But you understand Jesus is going to use every bit of his time wisely. And the way to pass time uh, while you're walking was to teach. So this is where we're going to pick up our story. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin in verse 11. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct, you hear that? To correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. So Jesus is saying just what I told you, that he's trying to correct the the disciples' understanding that once you get to, to Jerusalem, then all of a sudden the kingdom's going to appear. But what's interesting here is the disciples, they're not in this boat alone. If you take your Bible, you flip back to to Luke chapter 17, verse 20, you'll see that the Pharisees were asking the same question. They asked Jesus, when was the Messiah coming? In other words, the same thing. When is the kingdom of God going to appear? When is the Messiah going to come and take over and, and, and do away with Rome? When's all that going to happen? Well, Jesus in Luke 17, verse 20, he actually answers them, which is strange because it's like the disciples, they were either asleep, they were on Snapchat, they were doing something else besides listening to whatever Jesus was was saying. But Jesus says, in Luke 17, Jesus says, behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's here, right now right here, and you are living in it still today. Let's continue. I just want to deal with verse 12 now. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Now, I have to tell you, there's a little backstory to this parable that they, it really kind of brings to light what was, what was going on. Everyone who who heard this opening line would have connected with what Jesus was saying. You understand that many years before uh, Jesus was born, there was a man who went to Rome for power. And his name was Herod. We call him Herod the Great. We distinguish him with Herod the Great because the New Testament is very confusing. There's a lot of Herods in the New Testament. So you kind of get lost on who's who. But Herod went to Rome to receive power and people didn't really like Herod. They didn't want him to be king. So they sent a delegation to Rome to say, hey, we don't really like this guy. Can you make someone else really the king over us? So Rome, because they like to play games, they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, right, we'll do that. So Herod, you are now king over this region. 
This is the same region that Jesus and the disciples would later be born into. So everyone that heard this sentence, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Every one of them would have went, oh, he's talking about Herod. They would have known what was going on. Let's continue, verse 13. Before he left, he called together, talking about the king, he called together 10 of his servants and he divided among them 10 minus, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation to him. We do not want him to be king over us. So we've already addressed the delegation, but what we haven't addressed is what in the world is a mina? Uh, what the Bible says is, is Jesus is saying there were 10 servants all called before the king. Now there were 10. We only have the outcome of three. There are 10 servants that are called before the king. The king gives each one of these 10 a single mina. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 45, Ezekiel will tell you what a mina is or what it's worth. A mina, one mina is worth 60 shekels. One shekel is the common temple offering. So this gives them now, if they did nothing else, the ability to go to the temple 60 different times and present an offering. You, you with me, everybody, everybody with me? Let's move on. It's a very large sum of money that he's passing out. Verse 15. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. And you've been faithful with the little that I entrusted to you. So to you, you will govern 10 cities as your reward. Now, as you're reading this passage of scripture, your, your brain should say, what, what? Wait a minute, didn't the delegation go and say this guy's a hard man and we didn't want him to rule over it? But here we find a completely different picture. This king was not only fair, he was extravagantly generous. Sounds like they didn't really know the king at all, doesn't it? He just gave this guy a position. He just gave a servant a position in his government where he would be basically wealthy for the rest of his life. And not only that, in practical terms, we discover how we use the gifts we've been given do not go unnoticed by our own king, our own Lord, Jesus. Just like this man, I believe those financial uh, gifts that we've been given will be a blessing to our community, to our church community, because those that give those financial blessings are focused on ensuring there is an eternal return, an eternal reward for their investment. So what kind of reward is given for those who faithfully work to build the kingdom today? Well, that's pretty simple. Your reward is seeing the kingdom growing right before your eyes and knowing it is because of your faithfulness that this is happening. 
But also understand what Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 18. Paul says, uh, we don't do this so we can boast about what we're doing. Do this so we can boast about what God is doing through us. Man, God, look at what you're doing. Look at how the kingdom is growing, how you're using me to grow the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. This is all for you, not for me. Let's continue verse 18 and 19. The next servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and have made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. Now you will govern five cities. I mean, what's, what's it gonna be like to stand before our king and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, that's what life is really about. Working for the king and the kingdom. Now you understand this, Jesus is teaching what we refer to as the principle of reward, and, and all of you probably understand the principle of reward. You've probably seen it uh, acted out a lot of times throughout your life. Let me give you a couple easy examples to grab a hold of. Let's say that today you, you went and you purchased a, a fig tree, and you took that fig tree and you put it in your backyard, and you nurtured it, you cared for it, you watered it, and you pruned it, in roughly about two years, you'll be blessed with what? Figs. Figs are your reward for nurturing and caring for that tree. What if you took that tree and you just stuck it out in the sandbox in the backyard? How long do you think that tree is gonna live? What's gonna happen to the tree? It's gonna die. So there is reward for your work with the tree. We all together? Well, as I was writing this, I couldn't help but to think of a, a dear person in my life. I mentioned him to you before. His name is Horace Johnson. Uh, Horace uh, was the uh, principal at Robert E. Lee High School in, in Tyler for a long time. And Horace uh, took the challenge of mentoring me after I got out of the Marine Corps. Horace would tell me later on that how his life was blessed by just watching me grow in my faith. He received a blessing because he took a challenge to mentor me. But as I was thinking about this, I, Horace is, is gone now. He's, he's in heaven. And I can't help but to think, how much more has Horace been rewarded in heaven for all the lives he invested in, whether that was one-on-one or through his financial support of the church? How are you investing in the kingdom of God to ensure it's growing? Let's move on, verse 20. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money. I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops that you didn't plant. Now, one thing I'll have to give this servant is, he's pretty honest. I mean, he just comes right out and says, hey, I just didn't do anything with it. I'm just owning up to, to the fact that I didn't use the gifts that you've been giving me. Now, here's where it gets hard. 
The point Jesus is trying to make here is that this third servant represents those who have been blessed financially, but they use their their gifts carelessly or without regard as to why they have been given those gifts to begin with. They're living really without a concern whether the kingdom of God really grows or dies. Many of these people walk around and say, you know what, I'm not really hurting anybody. I'm not harming anyone. But the problem is they're not doing any good either. It's a challenge. But did you see what the servant did? Did the servant take ownership for his action? No. You see what he did? He blamed the king. He he said, I did nothing with your gift because I, I was afraid of you. You're a hard man to deal with. So instead, I I just hoarded it for myself. But the problem is we know now from the story that that wasn't the truth. The king wasn't a hard man at all. He was a generous man. He had extravagant generosity. It sounds like he didn't really know the king much at all, right? So how does the king respond to this last report? Look at verse 22. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I was a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops that I didn't plant, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest off of it. If the servant really knew who this king was, if he really knew him, if he was really connected with him, if he really knew he was a hard man, oh, and he, maybe he just didn't like him. Maybe he didn't want to work for him. Well, Jesus says he should have at least invested his money so he'd have a smaller return. But here's the real truth. Here's the real key to this this passage. And, And I understand this morning, this is a heavy, hard passage to wrestle with. But here's the truth. If the servant was truly connected to the king, he would have wanted to see his kingdom prosper. But the truth is, he wasn't. He didn't have a relationship with the king. He didn't know the king. He wasn't connected to the king. But the story doesn't end there. Look at verse 24. Then turning around to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from his servant from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 minus. What? But master, they said, that guy already has 10 minus. Why does he need even more? Yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given to them. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now that may sound harsh, and I understand that. But what Jesus is saying is, you did nothing for the kingdom, and you will get nothing in return. You might know who our King Jesus is, but if you're not connected to him, if you don't have a relationship with him, then you're not gonna receive anything in the end. 
Again, this wicked servant was not really connected to the giver of life, the giver of abundant generosity. He didn't really know him. So the question still lingers, how does God want to use us today and every day? And how can we get more focused on on building God's kingdom right here at John Wesley? I wanna give you three suggestions. Number one, know the promises of God. Know the promises of God. Did you know in the Bible there are over 3,000 promises that God has made to each one of you and to me today? Over 3,000 promises. You need to know what those promises are that God made you. Marty read one of them last week. It comes from Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I want to read it to you again. This is a promise from God. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food for everyone. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. That is a promise from God. Know those promises. Number two, be good stewards of the blessings you've already been given. Be good stewards of the blessings you've already been given. Like the first two servants, if you are faithful today with what God has blessed you with, then to you more blessings will be given. We've already learned the opposite is true as well through this parable. Jesus say, don't take the blessings you've been given and as uh, another gospel will say, hide it in a napkin, hide it in a hole, stick it in your mattress. No, use those blessings so others then can be connected to Christ. Use those blessings so other people will come to know Christ. Use those blessings so we can transform the kingdom of God right here in our little corner of Houston. Be good stewards of the blessings you've already been given. Number three, invest in the kingdom right here at John Wesley. Invest in the kingdom right here at John Wesley. Here's another hard thing that's tough to chew on from this, this parable. If we pattern our lives after this third servant, what do you think will happen to the church? Y'all can answer that one for me. It'll die. What's happening in the church in America? It's dying. If we pattern our lives after the third servant, there will not be a church to spread the word of God. But if we work, here's the good news, friends. If we work like the first and second servant, Christ will not only bless you, Christ will bless this church even more abundantly with even more people who are focused on our mission and who are focused on our life's purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And that's what you've been called to do. That's why God created you. That's 
is your purpose in life. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word because it challenges us. A lot of times it moves us out of complacency and it moves us into action and we're grateful for how you teach us. Lord, sometimes it's hard to chew on. It's it's tough stuff. But Lord, I pray that, that through your word and through your Holy Spirit that we're all challenged today. And when we walk out of this place for, for days to come, we're questioning ourselves and saying, why did you create me? For what purpose have I been created? And Father, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you guide us and remind us of why you needed humanity. And that is to build your kingdom. So speak to us as we go from this place today. We ask this in Christ's holy name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, I invite you to support our ministry by giving online at jwumc.org give. Also would invite you to find a church to attend on a regular basis or join us at John Wesley on Sunday mornings at 8.15, 9 o'clock and 11.15. God bless and have a great week. Thank you.